0: Rochambeau Recap Welcome to our first ever bonus episode for Rochambeau. This is a Rochambeau recap. Woohoo! Very, very exciting. So this recap is going to focus on the Kinetic Grand Championship. If you guys haven't heard that episode yet, you should definitely go back and listen to it before listening to this bonus episode. Because this will not make any sense otherwise. Yeah, you just won't you won't get the same stuff out of it. Right. You'll enjoy it more, for Plus, sure. Plus, it's a great episode. Agreed. So we want to talk today to Steve. Steve McCaney. he is the winner, him and his team, which is Team Trilobike, won the Kinetic Grand Championship this year. Such a cool machine. The thing was amazing. It was made to look like a diner on wheels, like in an old 50s sense, and his engineering is over the top. They just, they did phenomenally, and it was actually his second Grand Championship in a row.
1: Wow. My name is Steve McCaney. It was our second Grand Champion win in a row. You know one thing that I really like about this race is that there's a lot of varied challenges throughout it. Now it starts out just on the plaza and down the streets. so uh, the first part of it out to the Manila dunes is just on paved roads. so it's you know it's speed is where you can you can do well there, you know and then uh, hitting the sand, you know that's okay, going down the sand just down the getting over the the series of dunes and then down a couple miles down the beach. Dead man's drop. um, The drop down is, is pretty harrowing, but there's a pretty, a couple of pretty steep uh, sand dune, dune slopes on the way up. And our first year we had our, the new machine I built, it had been sunny and dry for several weeks before the race. And so that slope up to dead man's drop was just, super dry and sugar sand and it are just flowed and so it was a really brutal hill to climb I learned from that year and got much uh, lower gears bought made some new sand tracks and I made special grippers that I can put on the outside of my wheel if things get really bad and so then the year after that my my new really low gears came in handy and I had to use my sand grippers that we put on the outside that, you know, when the, when the sand tracks even slip. And so that part, you know, that was the toughest part and it's gotten, now it's easier for us. Um, but dead man's drop itself is, is not difficult, but it is the, the most frightening three seconds of the whole race. <laughs> and of course the crowd loves it because um, it is in fact, uh, frankly, dangerous for a lot of machines. Ours, our machine's a bit narrow and a bit top heavy at times, depending on how I do my art. And Dead Man's Drop is not just a straight sand dune. it is a It, it has a curve in it and an, and an outward slope. So it's really, really harrowing to get down this thing. And what, what we do is we'll, we'll begin to ease down the slope very slowly. My two co-pilots behind me they lean way out uphill to try to keep their weight up, up slope. And as soon as we feel that the, the, that the wheels are slipping, the the machine starts to slip a little bit sideways towards the outside. And we just let go of the brakes and basically bomb it down this slope. And it is not at all a totally controlled uh, situation. This year we, Fish tailed a couple of times, and I was able to just you know really carefully correct it, and we just go bouncing down into the into the you know the trail at the bottom. And we were in one piece, but uh, you know next year we're probably going to ease it down a bit with a rope that's allowed by the ace rules. you know the, the organizers don't want people ultimately getting hurt. um and so, that's just one of the safety things we're going to have to do is slow ourselves down a little bit going down that hill.
0: Tell me about your team.
1: You know, we are the, the team Trilobike, which of course is a, is a play on words, and came up with a name when I uh, built my first machine five years ago. And it was my son, Weston, who just really wanted to do the race. And he and I took a welding class at the local community college. Got a few metalworking tools, and we started like two months before the race, you know, kludging something together. And we ended up making this kind of weird thing of these two bicycles that were in line, but they had three wheels. And, you know, I didn't know what to call the thing, and the race is approaching. And so I figured, well, it's got three wheels. Let's call it try something. And we just started going through the dictionary. And it's like, oh, there's, there's trilo bite, the of course, the prehistoric fossil from millions of years ago. And I said, well, let's just call it a Trilo Bike. And so it gave us, you know, some inspiration for the graphics at the time. So the name is just sort of stuck, and I've, I kept coming up with other sort of variants on that theme. And so, you know, for a couple of years, we just called it Trilo Bike and came up with, you know, different front fairing designs and sort of different logo designs. And then two years ago, I said, well, I got... I sort of played out the trilobite kind of idea as far as I could. And then I just, I don't know, I was inspired by this idea of this test kitchen. Because I was trying to figure out, based on the configuration of my machine, um, what kind of artwork I could put on it. You know, I just, it was sort of my machine lends itself to a front fairing. And I had made a front fairing that was just curved plywood one year. And then the next year, it was like a giant rock with this, you know, giant trilobite embedded in it. Um, and then I said, well, sort of played the rock theme out. And then I decided, hey, I can make the front fairing a stove. And then I decided, you know, I need to have a place to store all my gear because I have sand tracks and floats and tools and all this stuff. And I don't really have a place to store it. So I made a 50s vintage refrigerator to go on the back so that I could store all my gear in it. And then I had, to, I had to tie the artwork uh, of the front and the back of the machine together. And so I came up with this idea of making this 12-foot-long giant uh, barbecue fork and sticking a big trilobite on the end of it. And so I called it the trilobite test kitchen, and the big 50s vintage stove on the front was basically a cooking disaster. It had four <laughs> burners on it and food overflowing – and, and, you know, I, I started making a lot more detail in my art. I made canned trilobites like because I took, like, vintage – I got images of vintage can labels, and then I made them into tri- canned trilobites. So we did really well. People loved it because when you come and you look at my machine, I, what I try to do with my artwork is make it so there's a lot of depth to it. And so last year after we finished, you know, Grand Champion there, it's like, okay, well, I, I still want to, you know – I'll keep with this general theme. And I said, I'll make a diner because I can turn my front fairing into a curved diner counter. And I can still keep my fifties vintage refrigerator because that sort of goes with the theme. And in the, the giant fork I took off and I made a great big arrow and trilobite diner sign but then with my art, I had all kinds of opportunities, you know, in terms of the food that I had on my diner counter. So I had, you know, a trilobite cake under, you know, one of those cake stands that you see at an old-fashioned diner. Um, I, I made a jukebox, but the title strips you would see in a jukebox controller, but I made them all um, just to play on words. So it's like the trilobite from Epanema and eight trilobites a week and... <laughs> So you know, if I knew you were coming, I would have baked a trilobite. All these other references to uh, to trilobites, like, you know, the Rolling Stones and Sympathy for a Trilobite, you know.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's fantastic. And I have looked at pictures. Yeah. And it's incredible. I mean, it's just a yeah, beautiful yeah. machine. Just beautiful.
1: Yeah, and I just, you know, I found a couple of funny pictures of, you know, Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days, and so I took that and that autographed picture of is and modified it to be, you know, like a, you know, he he visited the Trilobite Diner, and I've got, you know, one of Bill and Hillary Clinton from Bill being on the campaign trail way back in 92, and um, Bill is, is just looking sort of tired, and Hillary's just sort of staring at him, and it's a scene in some diner when they're, you know, having a cup of coffee, and, and I put in the caption of, Bill saying, Hillary, I told you we, we shouldn't eat here.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh, such amazing detail. Um, I know that on the second night, everybody camps at
1: Crab Park. You know, Crab Park is really awesome. I, I, I love it there. A lot of people go there to party. That certainly is a good party. i, I like to get a little bit of sleep because it's after two days of race, and I'm pretty tired. Um, but, you know, there's there's usually all kinds of cool stuff going down there because Crab park is an event only for the racers and their teams you have to be registered as a racer or a peon which is a team member you got to have a wristband to get in there to show that you've been registered and so what's really cool is it's like everybody is there is associated with the team and they're you know participating and helping make it happen and so what's really neat is the different teams, they've set up their camps and people have lights and they'll have fires and fire pits and food and, uh, team crab this year set up a really cool camp and had a, a really cool band that played, you know, and lights and a smoke machine. And we set up our, where our camp was, you know, I had lights all over my machine at night, you know, and, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Other people do that too. They decorate their machines at night and there's, you know, activities happening on the beach. And what was really cool is my wife and I are in the sort of late afternoon, just walking out to the beach and um, we stumble upon a wedding that's about to occur, a kinetic wedding, which was like, <laughs> didn't know that was going to happen. And it was so funny. It wasn't a tremendously organized wedding. And, you know, they're just saying, well, we need to have an aisle for the bride to walk down. So there's a bunch of us out there, and we say, okay, let's go get some driftwood. We got a bunch of driftwood. We made an aisle, and then once the bride starts walking up, we all start, you know, humming, here comes the bride, right? Because there was no music. So, <laughs> there was a lovely wedding ceremony that went on for, you know, 10 minutes, and in exchange of rings, and the rings were made by Hobart Brown's son, uh, Justin and it was really uh, quite interesting. It's like the first kind of impromptu wedding I'd ever seen.
0: That is fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. The trophy that you guys win comes back every year, but pieces of machines get added to it. Is that accurate?
1: Yes, it is. The So the, the grand champion trophy is, is the last large trophy that Hobart Brown made. And the base has been sort of built up by people over the years. And so there's... There's a little book underneath on the bottom of it that's made out of copper plate that every year each team engraves their name and the name of the pilots on the copper plate. And then they add uh, their little bit of artwork to the base of it every year. And so this last year, the artwork I added was uh, sort of a, a representation of our giant fork that was on top of our machine last year. When we won it, and so this year I got to an add an, another one for the, Try the Bike Diner, and then you know the future winners will do the same. And so it's now you know in our house, and we put Christmas lights on it, and you know I, I get to have it for another year in the house, and pretty cool.
0: <laughs> you put Christmas lights on it?
1: Yeah, it's like you know because it's a it's a you know a kinetic chicken. It's four feet tall, you know, and you sort of string lights on it during the year, so we can sort of enjoy it. So. <laughs>
0: well congratulations congratulations
1: well thank you very very much you have a good one and uh you know maybe we'll be talking to you next year too and what is it you guys say do you always say
0: for the glory
1: for the glory because you know it is a difficult time consuming and expensive hobby and you know that's what it is and you do it just because it is a whole lot of fun
0: And that's a recap.